Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Carrie. And, and we're, we're identical, identical twins. twins. We are so excited to talk to you about all things related to church music here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Now each week we will break down a hymn. It could be an old favorite or it could be one you've never heard of. But it is our prayer that you will worship with us no matter what song it is. So let's get started here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Hi everyone. Hi everyone. Hi, this is Carrie. This is Kelly. And we're, we're identical, identical twins. twins. Hey you guys, this is Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. We're here with episode 43. How's it going? I can't believe we're at 43. I know. So we're doing it every other week. Right. I know. I wonder if people are mad about that. (laughs) I doubt it. Well, we chose to go every other week because of our own, you know, busy lives, our busy schedules. Right. So it makes more sense for us. Right. And who knows? Maybe someday we'll go back to doing it weekly. I don't know. Yeah. Well, we hope you guys are tuning in. Yes. And we can't wait to show you this one. I mean, this came in as a request gal the requests keep coming in Carrie. i know and i'm actually telling people like we're not getting that one to that one until january like i feel kind of bad i do too but this guy he made this request back in our him talk twin talk trivia contest right so he filled out his form answered <laughs> the questions did a great job and put in a request yes so we reached out to him we got to talk to him his name is roy um what a great guy huh i know and he loves hymns <laughs> Yep. He loves him talk twin he talk. Does, he does. <laughs> and he told us that he listens to it with his daughter. Yes. So her name is May Song. Right. So yeah. hello to Roy and May Song. Yeah. Thank you for listening. This is your episode. Right. It is. Do you want to tell them? Yes. I stand amazed at in the presence. In the presence? What is it? <laughs> Which one is it? I don't know. Look at it. Okay, so it's in, it's in, it's, it's in. in the presence. I was right. I, I was said right. it wrong. I said it wrong. <laughs> All right, you guys, it's I stand amazed in the, the presence. <laughs> you know what's kind of funny? What? We, as we were talking about this hymn for this episode, we said that there was some confusion around the hymn title. It's true. It's we true. sat here talking about the confusion around the title and then announced it incorrectly. <laughs> yeah, well, Kelly, I mean... This, we call it by the first line, so I stand amazed in the presence. That's right. the first line of the song. But I feel like equally as popular mm-hmm. or equally as usable for a title is the line of the refrain. How, How marvelous. marvelous. Mm-hmm. And then we have the tune name. The tune name is My Savior's Love. And I actually feel like we can call it My Savior's Love. Right. I can picture a woman from our church coming up to me and saying, I want to sing that hymn. I love it so much. You know the one. How marvelous. How wonderful. Right. And when even Roy, when he sent us the request, he wrote in quotations, my Savior's love, mm-hmm. and in parentheses, I stand amazed in the presence. <laughs> so he actually called it by its tune name. Right. Which I wonder if that's like a regional thing, because he lives in where, Wisconsin? 
You know what, Carrie? I really think it's more about the hymnal and the hymnal editors sure. than yeah. anything else. Because when we go to just our regular old hymn website, we go to hymnary.org. Yeah. It's a fun website, you guys. If you oh. are interested in hymns, go check it out. We spend a lot of time <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah. It's a great website. That's our go-to place, right? right. And That's then our first place. First stop is hymnary, and then we branch out to right. like millions of other sites. But if you look at this hymn on hymnary, mm-hmm. it says that it's written in, uh, it's published in a 196 hymnals okay and it is under the title my savior's love so in some hymnals it's probably called my savior's love Mm -hmm. that's how roy knew it and i know that when that woman asked me for this hymn i went to our hymnal i looked up how marvelous how wonderful it wasn't in the index of our hymnal and i thought for sure it was missing from our hymnal right i i I couldn't find it how marvelous it just didn't exist and you know hymns come and go and so I thought maybe it wasn't in the hymnal yeah. and it was only after further looking that I did find it under I Stand Amazed but you know they call hymns by their first line all the time mm. but it's it's weird because we only say that first line once, once. Yeah. I mean we're like I stand amazed oh we mm-hmm. stand amazed we only literally say stand amazed once but I think that that's the phrase that stands out to you. Like even Roy, when he talked yeah. about this hymn, he said he went right back to the Bible and he was talking about mm-hmm. how the people watched Jesus perform these miracles. And right. he specifically mentioned Mark chapter 2. Right. And in verse 12, it what says. What does the Bible <laughs> say? It says they were amazed. The paralyzed man was healed. Mm-hmm. It says he got up, took his mat. And walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. Right. So you think, you know, witnessing these miracles, you're amazed. Mm-hmm. How about witnessing Jesus, you know, alive after three days? Right. How about seeing him? Roy talks about how astonishingly mind-blowing it must have been to see Jesus. Right. And to see Jesus perform miracles and to see Jesus after the crucifixion. I mean, how astonishingly mind-blowing. And that to him is I stand amazed. Yeah. We are so thankful that Roy brought this for a request for us. We love this one. We do. But listen, if you want to request a hymn, you do not need to quote the scripture. (laughs) You do not need to tell us all the reasons why it's your favorite. You can just send us the title. We loved talking back and forth with Roy. But if that's a little intimidating to you, you do not have to do that. Yeah, I mean, mean, talk about the Gold Star Award for Best Listener. I mean, he's quoting us, too. He (laughs) he mentioned our episodes. He mentioned that he was listening with his daughter Mm -hmm. i mean he's one of our favorites (laughs) he might be our biggest fan (laughs) (laughs) i mean we told him we would give him a shout out in the episode but i don't think he thought we would be talking about him for this long well he's he's a good guy (laughs) he's a good guy he loves the lord and if ever we're in wisconsin we're totally visiting him (laughs) where's our where's our chapter (laughs) that's our next trip you guys and may song in wisconsin (laughs) i don't even know where wisconsin is isn't wisconsin like it's all about cheese, right? Well, the Green Bay Packers? Yes. I wonder if he's a Packers fan. Probably. And we could have good cheese while we're there. Right. Cheese and Packers. <laughs> all right. So I stand amazed, Kelly. Yes. Or how marvelous, how wonderful, or my, my Savior's love. love. <laughs> all right. So we think that most of you know it, but let's sing a little bit of it yes, for you totally. so that you can you know, figure out which one we're talking about. I stand amazed in the presence.
So much fun to sing. It really is a great, beautiful melody. Yeah. It's, the tune is beautiful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The words are beautiful. We talked a little bit about how the title is confusing. Yeah. But something else that feels like a little disjointed mm-hmm. is the verse and the refrain. I know. Do you feel like they don't 100% go together? When we got into the How Marvelous, How Wonderful, I wanted to go a little faster. Yes. I wanted to add something a little bit more rhythmic or stylish. Or like I naturally started smiling. Yes. It, it's, it just brings you a little bit of joy. But the verse, the verses can be a little... It's it. They're sad. I mean, they're literally telling the story of Jesus in the garden. Right. And how do you go like talking about how sad he is? He's dying. He's in agony. He's in he's tortured. And then it's like, how marvelous, how wonderful. Right. It's a it's a little tricky. All right. So do you want to show them these words? Yeah, I'll play the piano. But yeah, why don't you read verses one through five? We don't have to do the refrain again. Right. Right. And I think what's so interesting about this, these verses Mm -hmm. for all of you to listen to is that it really tells the story of what is happening to Jesus. And it's very specific. Mm -hmm. It's very detailed. Um, It doesn't sugarcoat it. And, you know, not a lot of hymns do that in, right. a, in a nice way. And I think this is a really great example of, that, of this happening. So let's read the words so you can hear. Okay. Starting with verse 2. For me it was in the garden. He prayed, not my will, but thine. He had no tears for his own griefs, but sweat drops of blood for mine. In pity angels beheld him and came from the world of light to comfort him in the sorrows he bore for my soul that night. He took my sins and my sorrows. He made them his very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. When with the ransomed in glory, his face I at last shall see, Twill be my joy through the ages to sing of his love for me. Beautiful. It's a beautiful poem. I mean, that's what we're hearing. And, you know, the guy who wrote this, he wrote the music and the words. Right. I was just going to say, since the words don't totally match the music, especially in the refrain. Yeah. I was thinking this would be a perfect example of of having two different people write it. Right. But it's him. But it's this not. was his vision for this hymn. Right. So it made complete sense to him. Mm-hmm. And really, we shouldn't criticize. No. Well, <laughs> what I think is funny is like in terms of tempo. Yes. I would love to know what he wanted to do with it. Was mm-hmm. he singing it a little bit quicker? Was he singing it slower? What was he doing? Because I feel like it goes both ways. It feels like it could be this rousing, happy, joyous song. And it feels like it could be also very slow and somber. Right. I have no idea. I know, and which did he want? And did he want something like what we just did, which was, you know, a little slower for the Mm -hmm. verse, and then it did pick Pick up up. in the refrain. Right. I'll tell you, verse 1, 2, 3, and 4 are all sad. But then verse 5, it does change. We're with the ransomed, we're in glory, Mm -hmm. we're singing his praises. It's Mm -hmm. almost like 
that's when the tempo should change too. Yeah. And remember the what what hymn did we do where there the hymn writers wrote so many suggestions as yes. to how to sing yes. it. Was we that just make, did me it with make me a blessing? Yes. I Unison, mean, men only, tenors only, I feel like we acapella. Need, we need that with this. <laughs> right. We need his suggestions. Right. All right, well let's talk about this guy. I mean, he was extremely talented. Amazing. <laughs> do we have to have like a little counter on the bottom of how many times we say amazing today? <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, he's amazing. Right. And I, how many Hymn writers like really legitimately make a living writing hymns. Right, they're not pastors. Right, they're not write poets. They're, <laughs> right, they're literally hymn writers. Kelly, he is the most prolific hymn writer we've come across. I feel like we say that often. No, 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 <laughs> no. I mean, except for Fanny Crosby, right? Which we, you know, she's the queen of gospel songwriters. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, this guy is the most prolific. So, are you telling me he's the king of gospel writers <laughs> kelly a lot of people refer to him as the king of gospel music or the king of gospel songwriters but he literally is making a living as a hymn writer now i did the math so let's just say he wrote started writing hymns regularly when he was 20 years old okay. and continued for the remainder of his life which would be 56 years of hymn writing let's just say okay he, that would be three to four hymns a week that he would have to write every week for how many years did I just say? 56? <laughs> how? How do I you don't, keep I don't know if I did the math right. <laughs> <laughs> no, my sister's checking my math. You guys, I can't do it. I can't do okay, it. so that's simple, you guys. It's 56 times 52, 2,900, divided by 8,000. Yeah, three to four. 3.6. But there had to be weeks he like didn't write. And I mean, then there were weeks that he wrote... Seven, I don't know. That's just a lot of writing, Kelly. But it is his job. Like, he doesn't have an eight-hour, a 40-hour-a-week job. He doesn't go to the office right. and no. do other stuff. This is his he job. He literally goes to the piano and right. sits Sims. and writes. Yeah. And, I mean, not all of them are showstoppers. <laughs> <laughs> no. And we don't even know the number because he used so many pseudonyms. Now, we do know of some of his pseudonyms. Okay. He went by Charlotte G. Homer. Nice. He went by T.R. Allen, Jenny Ray, C.D. Emerson. And then there's other pseudonyms that hymnologists have like debated over. Like they might be him. Right. Names like Jenny Crawford Goodspeed and A.W. <laughs> Lawrence. We're not even sure if they're him. Jenny but- Crawford Goodspeed. I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we don't even know the final number. Right. I mean, I actually think that we could be very conservative in our numbers here. Right. Because there could be like... I don't know, two, five, ten, twenty other pseudonyms that we don't even know about. Right. So right. he had all of these pseudonyms. His name is Charles Hutchinson Gabriel. You guys, he did so much stuff. All right. So what are some hymns that our listeners are going to recognize? Okay. Well, I think the most famous thing <laughs> he did. I think the most famous thing. He took the words of Sevilla Martin. She wrote the words, his eye is on the sparrow. And our guy, Charles Gabriel, wrote the music. Kelly, I mean, how awesome is that? That is a that is one of the best hymns ever written. People love it. And it's it's a hymn that has crossed over into the secular world. Exactly. I mean, lots of people exactly. who do not go to church still know that song. He also, I think his first commercial hit, his first success, like <laughs> to be published all over, was the song Send the Light. Right. Another fun one. Another fun one. Yeah. And then he did Higher Ground. Mm-hmm. But the, he only did the music for those. Those were words by other people. Right. 
Um, he actually had huge success with this gospel song called Will the Circle Be Unbroken? Uh, Do you oh, know that? I don't. It, it seems actu- a little familiar, though. It actually became like almost like an anthem in yeah. country music. The Nitty Gritty Dirt Band did it. Okay. And they had lots of other artists like singing with it. It almost has this like... We, we are, are the, the world. world feel to it. Yeah. yeah. Hugely popular. And they've re-released it like three times. They've re-recorded it and they always have other people joining them on it. It's kind of a big deal mm. in the country music. If you're a country music fan, let us know. Will the circle be unbroken? Do you like it? Mm. Now, he was inducted into the Gospel Music Association's Hall of Fame. Wow. In 1982. So Fairly recently. I mean, yeah. Now, the Gospel Music Association Hall of Fame only opened in 1971. Mm -hmm. So it's not like it's been around for centuries. But Kelly, yeah. I think this is really interesting. So what? we can name all of his like famous hymns, right? But also some of his lesser fa- famous <laughs> hymns are kind of cool. So I found out that he did an alternate tune to Away, "Away in, in a, a manger. manger." How cool is that? I mean, "Away in a Manger" as a Christmas carol already has two tunes and well-known tunes. And now we find another one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's sing it for everyone. Okay, let's do it. I mean, it's it's like the middle of November. You're okay with having <laughs> some Christmas music now, right? So, of course, we don't really know who wrote the words, but let's show them mm-hmm. what our guy, Charles Gabriel, right. did with the words. Right. All I right. mean, you'll hear it. It's very similar. Yeah. <laughs> you can see why you just had to pick one. You're I not going to have you both of them. You don't need them all. Right. Yeah. Away in a manger, no crib for his bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his wee head. The stars in the heavens looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. Kelly, we should totally do this like for a recording. Put out a video for people to see the whole thing. Because there's actually a refrain to it. It's really cute. And it's like the third version of this hymn. And they're all kind of similar. I feel like we should do some sort of a medley of all three. I know. Well, I mean, I just think these composers are looking at these sweet words. Yeah. And they create sweet tunes to go with it. Right. Because we know James R. Murray, William Kirkpatrick have already done that with two great, great tunes. And I feel like Charles Gabriel did it too. Well, the thing that I think is most impressive about Charles Gabriel, okay. you guys, is that he really made a living out of doing this. Yes. He's a musician. Mm-hmm. He's a hymn writer. He's a poet. He's all of those things. Mm-hmm. He even ended up working at a publishing company. Yeah. So he was really putting his talents to use. Right. And he wrote a book. He wrote books about gospel music where right. he profiled and researched other gospel songwriters mm-hmm. and talked about them. Mm-hmm. He was just this big proponent of gospel music. Right. He wanted to promote other artists yeah. and himself. Right, yeah. and himself. Yeah. All right, so I think we have to dig into this guy. We okay. want to know where he lived, mm-hmm. you know, and what his childhood was like. How did this him writer come about. Okay. Charles Hutchinson Gabriel was born on August 18th, 1856 in Wilton, Iowa. Now, Kel, he was born 
and lived on a farm. And we don't believe he had any formal education whatsoever. He worked on his family's farm. Right, right. Now, his father was a traveling singing school teacher and an organist. Now, these singing schools, I love this. Right. So this is when farm families, maybe families who aren't going to school, they're doing their schooling at home, mm-hmm. but they want someone, you know, to teach music, which <laughs> right. I think is awesome. Right, right. Yeah, so the father, people would come to their farmhouse mm-hmm. where they would learn music. Now, a singing school could be teaching musical sight reading. Right. It could be teaching the mechanics of singing. It would be a place to learn hymns. In fact, we read that these singing schools sort of became a thing to help congregational singing in Protestant churches. Right. So how awesome is that? Yeah. These people are going to church. They feel like either they can't sing or they don't know the words or they don't feel comfortable. And then they create these singing schools to fill that need. Right. We want people feeling comfortable enough to sing in church. Right. So come and learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. I love that. The Gabriel Farmhouse was quite often the location for gatherings of neighbors as well as students who traveled from a great distance right. to come and sing the hymns and study music. So this is the childhood that Charles Mm -hmm. grew up in. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the farm, and it's working probably Mm -hmm. very hard, Mm -hmm. but he was surrounded by music from a very young age. Now, one day he told his mother that it was his supreme desire to write a song that would become famous. Now, this is a story that we have from a book by Kenneth Osbeck, 101 Hymn Stories. Right. This is a direct quote, you guys. Attention, please. Now, He says he wants to write a song that would become famous, and she wisely replied, My boy, I would rather have you write a song that will help somebody than see you president of the United States. Mm-hmm. And that was the encouragement from his mom. And right. it certainly sounds like she got what she wanted. I know. Because his it music, absolutely yeah, happened. Absolutely. Now, at age 16, yep. his father, who was you know running the singing school and teaching all sorts of people, mm-hmm. children, adults, all about music and singing, he dies suddenly. Mm-hmm. And Charles, at the age of 16, steps up and takes over the teaching. And he becomes this very popular singing school oh, yeah. teacher. He Well, he's like Iowa's leading musician. He was put in charge of the town band. Yeah, I mean, he was a big deal in Wilton, <laughs> you guys. He was this big band master. Right. He wrote polkas and yeah. marches. Yeah, he did, he did. Yeah. So he ended up marrying um, his neighbor yeah he was 20 years old her name was fanny woodhouse and i think that they were childhood sweethearts friends yeah they were neighbors um they had one daughter together vera unfortunately the marriage ended in divorce right and i think he felt like he needed to get out of wilton even though he was such a big deal there (laughs) (laughs) well he wanted to see if he could be a big deal somewhere far away so he went to California. california In 1888, he married again. Now, this woman, Amelia Moore, was actually a musician as well. Mm -hmm. And she wrote a hymn. I mean, I say she wrote a hymn. One hymn, you guys. (laughs) Well, Carrie, that's one more hymn than us. Yep, she wrote a hymn. And then they had Charles Hutchinson Gabriel Jr. And guess what, you guys? He's a hymn writer, too. Uh-huh. I mean, it is in the family. These people are writing hymns. Now, Charles Gabriel is the father. He writes thousands of hymns. Mm-hmm. He has many pseudonyms. And guess what? <laughs> Charles Gabriel Jr., he has pseudonyms. Right. And I actually found 
that it was kind of confusing to know which guy wrote it. Right. So Charles and Amelia were married for 43 years. And at some point while they were married in 1892, they all moved to Chicago. Mm -hmm. So started in Iowa, moved to California, then moved to Chicago. Why? Because they wanted to be closer to the major religious music publishing companies. I, I mean, Kelly, all the research that we've done, did you know Chicago I didn't. was like the hub for, no. for Christian music? No. And this is right around the turn of the century, 18, yeah. late 1800s. Yeah. So now he's working with the Rhoda Heaver Publishing Company, which we have talked about right. Rhoda Heaver. Right. That is a very big name in music publishing. Mm -hmm. They don't they're no longer in existence. Right. We did look at the Sun's hymns, right? right. Charles Hutchison Gabriel Jr., he had many pseudonyms. <laughs> he has lots of hymns and he worked with a lot of different text writers. Right. But we did find that they worked together on a couple of hymns. Right. Father and son working together. Love it. Do you want to hear one of the father and son working together? So you really would never know that this was a father and son duo. Because when you look <laughs> at it in the hymnal, it says that it's written by Charles H. Gabriel Jr. But then the other person who worked on the hymn is named Jenny, Jenny Ree. Ree. But we know that's one of, the, one of Charles Gabriel's pseudonyms. So right. that's him. That's him. So this is Songs of Praise. Okay. The two of them are together. This isn't in any hymnal that we have. No. It's not one of ours. But we found it, and it's nice. It's pretty. Okay. Songs of praise unto him who hath loved us. With united hearts we sing. With gratitude we sing. For all the mercies that daily surround us. In our lives we crown him Lord and King. Shepherd true, he is ever watching, guarding his own from every foe. Day by day into pastures leading, where cooling waters flow. Praise our everlasting King, let the glad bells ring, let the whole world sing, until the echoes reach the sky, and angels unto men reply. Father and son writing together, I love it. All right, so I mean, I think we've established how talented yes. this whole family is, yeah. really. Yeah. I mean, and Charles, you know, you think Charles Hutchinson Gabriel Jr., Never met his grandfather. Uh, right. Right? At the farm. Mm -hmm. He literally started it. I mean, I wonder how much he worked on the farm. Was he <laughs> singing inside while the whole family was like plowing the fields? Maybe. And maybe. he needed to get out and do yeah. some work. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe his wife was like, come on, we need you to work. Enough with the singing. Okay. So let's talk about these words, Kelly. Right. Charles Hutchinson Gabriel was a prolific writer. Mm -hmm. He wrote words and music. And he wrote these words. Now, we don't see anything in his personal life that would have been, you know, sort of the inspiration for this. But he definitely got his inspiration from the Bible. Absolutely. I mean, we talked about how it really goes into details, right? What's yes. happening to Jesus. Yes. He's talking about. So let's just quickly look at verse one. Okay. I mean, two things are happening. He's telling the story of what happened that night. Mm -hmm. we're, gonna, we're going to read the words to you. It tells the story of what Jesus Christ did. Mm -hmm. If you don't know the story of Jesus Christ, you're going to hear it here. 
And maybe that was part of his point. He mm -hmm. wanted it mm -hmm. to be evangelistic in nature. But Charles Gabriel does something that's really good and really difficult to do well, and that is making it personal. Mm -hmm. It is not just that story that happened many, many years ago. It's also something that is affecting him right now. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. So the first thing he's thinking about is my sinfulness. How could this man love me? And in Romans 5, 8... What does the Bible <laughs> say? But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, right. Christ died for us. He is talking about this very thing. We're the unclean ones. We're right. the sinners. And Jesus is still choosing to die for us. Christ died for us. And if you're not sure who Christ is, right, that's Jesus Christ, who was from Nazareth, who was right. born of Mary and Joseph. Right. It's like he points to him even further by saying he's the Nazarene. <laughs> right, except that he wanted it to rhyme with unclean. I know. <laughs> I kind of thought so, too. <laughs> Nazarene, unclean. So a Nazarene is a native or resident of Nazareth. Right. Now, Nazareth is the largest city in the northern district of Israel. Okay. Okay, and it's often called the cradle of Christianity, mm. Nazareth. And, I mean, where's our captain? This is your captain uh, speaking. Wouldn't, I mean, wouldn't you like to go there? <laughs> yes. Yes. Now, Nazareth has a lot of, like, special things that happened there. Mm. So, yes, Jesus spent most of his childhood and his youth there, but... They also believe it's where the Archangel Gabriel told Mary she would conceive right. a child. Right. Now, the first church that was built there is called the Church of the, the Annunciation. We believe that church was built on the site of Mary and Joseph's home. Well, that's what they believe. Who believes? <laughs> the people living there. They want us to come visit it. You don't think that's true? <laughs> How could they possibly know? Why not? There's stuff. We don't know where the angel visited Mary. She could have been like on a walk. She could have been in the loo. It's true. It's true. <laughs> How would they ever know that? Now, okay, so right next to that church yes. is the Church of St. Joseph. And that, according to tradition, <laughs> was built where Joseph had his carpentry shop. Where little Jesus probably worked and played with the hammers. <laughs> now, nearby is the Greek Orthodox Church of the Annunciation. And that is... <laughs> that is said to have been built over Mary's well. From which Jesus' mother is <laughs> was drinking. You don't believe it. I mean, I just hear tourist trap. I am buying this hook, line, and sinker. I know. I can't I believe you are. I think the bell is there. I think the carpentry shop. I'm sure there's still nails that are on the floor. <laughs> there is no way. What? No way. This is a tourist trap, you guys. I mean, I am totally up for going. I'm just saying that it's a tourist trap. You go there, there's Christian hotels, there's fancy hotels, there's <laughs> dozens of restaurants that serve delicious food all year long. And guys, during Christmas, you have to go during Christmas. I want to go. It's decorated for the holiday and yeah. You guys, she's kind of cynical tonight. I know, I am. What is your but problem? I you wanna, don't want to go to Nazareth. I do want to go. I do want to go. I just think that it's, you know, a tourist trap. Okay, so they have this place called Nazareth Village. Now, this is something <laughs> I want to get behind. Because at least you know it's a reenactment. It's like Plymouth Plantation here I in Massachusetts. Know, Plymouth Plantation. Okay, so they have Nazareth Village. Mm -hmm. It's a living history village right in the heart of old Nazareth. And they're actually showing first century life. Right. And they tell Jesus' stories, right, with the people who are dressed in costume. Right. 
Yeah. Those people are actors. <laughs> <laughs> the Bible scenes are brought to life by the villagers. Mm-hmm. This reminds me a little bit of the Museum of the Bible. Yeah, okay. On one of the floors, they like kind of reenact first century life in Jerusalem. And, okay. You know, people are in costume and, and, and you see like the pottery and yeah, what they I love did. It. I and love then it. they talk. They're actors and they get paid. <laughs> <laughs> All right, look. Don't look at my notes, Kelly. Okay. <laughs> Today, more than 100,000 people from over 150 nations visit the village each year. 100,000 people. Now, in light of that number, 100,000 people, how many people would you say visit the Statue of Liberty? I mean, way more than 100,000 in a year? Kelly, just say a number. Okay. I'm not giving it in a year. Years. In a year? In a year. Well, outside of COVID. <laughs> With 2019. Two million. <laughs> how many? It's estimated about four million people visited. Carrie, I was close. <laughs> okay, how many people visited the Grand Canyon on average in a year? So, hundred thousand. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> you have to think about it. Hundred thousand to Nazareth. <laughs> four thousand. Four million to, to the Statue, Statue of Liberty. Liberty. <laughs> and to the Grand Canyon, I'm going to say two million. I'm going to say two on each one. It's five million. Okay, so it's more. More. Okay. I thought the... I, I know. The, How many people on average visit the Eiffel Tower? Ooh. Oh, my gosh. I would say so many. I'm going to say ten. <laughs> How many? Seven million. Okay. Okay. I overshot. So in light of all of this... Yeah. Okay. 100,000 people to where we think our savior was born... <laughs> And to then, where Carrie thinks our savior is born. And the house. <laughs> and the carpentry and, shop. And the well <laughs> that Mary drank from. All right. There's four, five, and seven million people going to Statue of Liberty, Grand Canyon, and Eiffel Tower. On average, about how many people visit Disney World? <laughs> so many. Like like 24 million. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say 25. And so some records say 58 million, but I think that's counting more than one park. Right, so, right, But right. yeah, about 24 million people. So they're not making a lot of money in Nazareth, which yes. probably just means all of those tourist things cost a ton. I feel bad. We need to <laughs> we go to should Nazareth go. We now. Should go. Yeah. We have to bring that number up to like 100,004. <laughs> I would go. I totally would go. I don't want to go with you. I think you're going to have a bad attitude the whole time. I'm going to be like, really? Really? That happened here? I don't think so. You guys, who wants to come with me? Because I'm not going with Kelly. I mean, I've done my research on the Holy Land. They always say, this is where they think. You well, know, they don't even know where Jesus was buried. Like, they think it's here. Well, that's what they're saying. This is where they believe the carpentry shop was. <laughs> All right, you guys, we went on a tangent. Yes, but we, you know us, we love to travel. All right, so all right, Jesus so, the Nazarene, we just learned all about him and where he lived. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so verse two, it talks about the garden, Kelly. For me, it yeah. was in the garden, and he prayed, not my will, but thine. He had no tears for his own griefs, but sweat drops of blood for mine. So, I mean, that's totally biblical. Yeah. He did pray, not my will. Right. But thine. He prayed that to his father in heaven. Mm -hmm. But there's a little bit of a controversy here. Uh Oh, Oh, there's our sound. (laughs) Yes, because uh, as biblical as those first two lines, the second two lines, he had no tears for his own griefs, 
but sweat drops of blood for mine. Right. So he didn't cry for himself and for his own, for what he was going to go through. He only cried for us. Is that what that song, that mm-hmm. verse is about? He cried for our sin. Did he cry for his own grief, Kelly? What do you think? Now, Hebrews 5, 7, it says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death? He did cry. Are we not to believe that he ever cried for himself? Well, Charles Gabriel thinks that he cried for us. Right. Now, the other confusing thing is the sweat drops of blood right so in Luke chapter 22 verse 44 it says being in agony he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was as if it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground right so some people teach that Jesus actually sweat blood in the garden what do you think I mean I don't think he sweat drops of blood I think that's poetic license okay so one of the things that I read is that the sweat was just pouring off of him mm-hmm. so profusely, like almost like a head wound would just gush blood out of you, that the sweat was just dripping off of him. It was like a, like a head wound, but it wasn't blood. It was right. just like blood. Right. But there's actually this rare medical phenomenon called hematohydrosis. What's that? <laughs> What's that? Hematohydrosis? Hematohydrosis. But I'm not really sure how to pronounce it. It could be hematohydrosis. <laughs> we need some medical person to chime Actually, in. Actually, I asked mom. You did? Mom's a nurse. What did she say? She kept coming back and not having all of the syllables. She, I was like, mom, you missed a couple of syllables. All, all right. Thanks, mom. So hematohydrosis is known to be precipitated by stress, strain, or any sort of exertion. And it may occur in individuals with like underlying bleeding disorders. But this is, okay, the blood vessels that surround the sweat glands, they constrict under the pressure of great stress. So in times of great stress, the blood vessels could actually rupture and then the blood actually goes into the sweat glands. And so the sweat glands are now producing a lot of sweat, but they actually are like tinged pink because of the blood vessels that have broken. So could that be what we're talking about when when Luke says that there were actually... He said it was as if drops of blood. So my guess is still no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, aren't you glad you know what hematohydrosis is? What's that? I guess I am. So verses three and four um, just talk about this: these angels that came to him to comfort him. Mm -hmm. Um, And verse verse four is that he just took all our sins and our sorrows, and then suffered and died alone. Right. Um, In Luke twenty-two verse forty-three, it says, "An angel appeared unto him from heaven, strengthening him." Of course, he was going to need help from the angels. I mean, in the garden, that was like just the beginning. If he's already in agony in the garden, that's just the beginning. He has a whole night ahead of him. I know. And of course, it makes sense that angels would have been there. He suffered and died alone. Both Matthew and Mark say that Jesus cried out at the ninth hour Mm -hmm. with a loud voice saying, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was alone. Now in verse 5, a lot of hymns do this. They tell all the stories. They tell, But then in the last verse, they talk about heaven. Right. So that's it. 
when with the ransomed in glory, his right. face I at last shall see. We will be reunited with him. We will be with him in heaven right. singing his praises. Right. I mean, that's an awesome way to end. Right. And I love that. I love how it says, oh, I'm singing this how marvelous and how wonderful. And in heaven, I'm going to be singing it too. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. marvelous, how wonderful. I love when hymns do that. I love when they have that kind of connecting phrase yeah. that works now. It works in the past and it works in the future. I think of like the old rugged cross. I think of blessed assurance. This mm-hmm. is my story. This mm-hmm. is my song. If we're coming into more contemporary Christian, I think 10,000 reasons. Mm-hmm. We're going to sing bless the Lord, oh my soul. Yeah. I love that. I love that we will all, because I just imagine us being in heaven right. singing. And we're going to be singing all of these songs. Right. Why not? Why wouldn't we sing how, how marvelous, marvelous, how wonderful, wonderful. Is, is my, my Savior's, Savior's love, love for me. me. We see this in Revelation, that yes. we are just going to be singing yep. for eternity. Now, if we look at Revelation 5, mm-hmm. verses 18, I heard every creature yes. in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them basically singing praises. Right. Every creature. And I'm super excited about the performance of this song. Right. Because we are sharing music that is literally from the other side of the world. Yes. Yes. How amazing is that? Yes. And, you know, we have our bubble, right, Cal? Of our church and our church family singing Mm -hmm. praise. And maybe our bubble's even bigger now because we we know that we have listeners all over the country that are singing too. But, I mean... How amazing is it to think that people in India are Mm -hmm. singing? Now, I found this musician. He's a wonderful singer and arranger. He arranges the harmonies. His name is Joel Jack. He is on YouTube. He's on social media. We're going to share all his information. He has a ministry, an online ministry. It's called The Vocal Movement, and they're all friends who went to college together in India. Now they've moved to different places, um, but they were all in India together at one time. Now they continue to make music um, virtually. So we actually have this virtual performance because they don't all live together. Mm. And they're called the Vocal Movement. They're in India, Oman, and Saudi Arabia. Now they have another ministry called the Writer's Tongue, and we can share that with yeah, everybody. Yeah, yeah, we'll tell everyone. And it's just bringing together these Christian artists, mm-hmm. writers, musicians, singers, mentors, and it's all under one platform to profess the love of Christ to the world. Mm-hmm. It's called the Writer's Tongue. I mean, I think what they're doing is pretty amazing. Yeah, and. That's what this song is all about. It's being amazed at who Jesus is, but it's also being amazed at how he's united us all, all over the world, all together, worshiping him. Mm-hmm. So this is Joel Jack and the vocal movement singing, I, I stand, stand Amazed. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. I wonder how he could love. A sinner condemned, unclean. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my song. 
So wasn't that amazing? I love it. Oh, we just said amazing again. I love it. <laughs> I love their voices. I think they sound so pretty. And I love the arrangement. I think Joel yeah. did a great job. And he updated it a right, little bit. Right. There's some cool harmonies yep. and some great rhythms. Yeah, I love that. And I think that it's amazing that all of this is because of the technology that we have nowadays. This could not have been done yeah. 20 years ago, 30 years ago. I mean, and same with our podcast, Carrie. We could not have been doing this 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. So, you know, as much as we like complain about technology, Things like this wouldn't be happening. Mm -hmm. And I'm just so glad that we get to have this music from people that, because of where they lived, we would never hear it otherwise. So, I mean, we're pretty much done. Do you want to do our hymn take? Yes. My hymn take is right from that first verse. I find it really hard to find a hymn that talks about our own sinfulness in a way that isn't completely depressing right. and difficult to sing. You know, those, those concepts, that's hard to sing about. We can talk about it. We can pray about it. But it's hard to put that, those words into music. Mm -hmm. And I love that he says, I wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. The fact that he's able to put that to music in a really nice, sweet way that doesn't completely turn you off is amazing. Mm -hmm. What's your hymn take? Um, I love when he says in the refrain, and my song shall ever be. Mm, yeah. I will always be singing of yeah. how wonderful God is, mm -hmm. right? I will always be singing of it. Yeah. And I just think we've talked about that in so, so many other episodes. Like, right. It's hard to talk and describe Jesus' right. love. It's hard to put it into words. And we need to look at other creative art forms mm -hmm. and Music is, I don't know, you know, right. my favorite. Um, so, yes, I am going to sing of it because mm -hmm. I have no other way of expressing it. Mm -hmm. So I love that he says, it's my song. And it will always be. Yep. Yeah. All right. So now we have to hear Roy's hymn take. Okay, you guys, Roy submitted a hymn take, which <laughs> we love. Yes. So he's talking about that last verse. Yes. That last verse, which really I love too. I know. But it will be my joy through the ages to sing of his love for me. And it, he just says how marvelous and wonderful it will be when we meet face to face mm -hmm. the one who paid the price for us. Yeah. And he actually connects it to the passage from the book of Job. Aww. So I'm going to read that for you. It'll be our closing verse for this episode. We really hope you enjoyed hearing about this hymn. Thank you, Roy, for suggesting it. Mm -hmm. And now here is Job chapter 19, verses 25 to 27. For I know that my Redeemer lives, mm. and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another, how my heart yearns within me. Amen. Amen. Way before Jesus Christ. Way before. Job is talking about knowing that his Redeemer lives and knowing that he will see him one day. And we have that same assurance. Mm -hmm. We know that our Redeemer lives and we know, we know that we will see him someday. someday. And we'll see Roy. Yes. And May Song. Yes. And we'll see all our listeners yes. someday in heaven. Someday. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hey, yep. don't forget, we'll see you in two weeks for yes. the next episode. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Good night. Bye.